The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Fighting Through Podcast. Great unpublished history. We, we, we'd have no training as regards D-Day. We won't send their K-Russians. And a grenade came over, hit Charlie in the chest. The shell came over and uh, I felt a thump in my back. All I remember about that hospital was the matron. She'd have made a good darts player. We joined up with the Canadians, because the Canadians were, were there when we got there. We saw Dakota on fire. Yes. We saw two jump out. We came across these Germans lying in the gutter, about five or six of them, pretending to be dead. This is indeed the Fighting Through Podcast, episode 74, Coffee with Ken Cook. More great on published history. Hello again, and another warm World War II welcome to the Fighting Through Second World War Podcast. I'm Paul Cheel, son of Bill Cheel, whose World War II memoirs have been published by Pen and Sword in Fighting Through from Dunkirk to Hamburg. The aim of this podcast is to give you the stories behind the story. You'll hear memoirs and interviews with veterans in all the countries and all the forces. Normandy World War II veteran Ken Cook introduced the show and uh, you just heard a few snippets from my recent meeting with Ken where he raked the brain cells to bring us a bucket full of memories and musings about his war and much more. So that's coming up soon. Plus, I have a few more extras in the PS. Right now, I want to share some absolutely fantastic news about the German boy soldier memoir sent in several months back by Heidi Langbein Allen. Heidi's just told me that she signed a publishing deal with pen and sword. So, save the last bullet will be available from booksellers sometime next year. So what first appeared here as a great unpublished history is now going to be great published history. And if my download numbers are anything to go by, there's a great deal of interest in the German side of the war, with a massive 10,000 listens to the episode already. I'll keep you posted on progress with the book publishing date. And if you want to remind yourself what it's all about check out episode 69 German Boy Soldier and remember <laughs> you heard it first on the Fighting Through podcast um, 
I've pretty much cancelled the feedback and family stories segment this time because Ken's interview is pretty long and also quite a bit of the material sent in by you fits better, I think, with other content. So that'll be covered soon. Now over to Ken. Britain Ken Cook was in the 7th Green Howard's Infantry and at the tender age of 18 was thrown into action for the very first time, storming Gold Beach on D-Day, 6th of June 44, in the very first waves of attack. 6th and 7th Green Howard's together with 5th East York's formed 69 Brigade, part of 50th Division. And as we threaded our way through the minefield of Ken's memories, the stories just seem to be getting better and better. Just a couple of questions before we start. Uh, are you? Can you hear me okay? Pardon? Can you... <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm okay, yeah. yeah. All right. I'm, I will speak loudly. And mm-hmm. All right. Have you got any... You had PTSD at one point during the war, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Do you still get, suffer flashbacks now? Uh, not so much. Yeah. Do you think Not any, so much. Is it like waking up at night or...? No, no, no. Not now. I used to do. But you sleep all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. And uh, about 20 years ago... There was a story in the daily paper yeah. of a veteran told his story. Not a week after that, another veteran told his story, and it gradually snowballed. And you get we got all those stories in the paper. Oh wow! There's even stories coming out now. Yeah. Because people wouldn't talk about it then. No. And gradually, reading those stories. I've got rid of some of the flashbacks. Yes. Oh, good. So it's kind of been therapeutic for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Then we have our play, that bomb happy play. Yes. When we did that, that's released something. Tell, tell you've mentioned bomb happy. So tell me, tell me about it. It's uh, our scooter friend, Nick Bealby, has done a lot of work for us. You know, arranging things. And we support their the scooter, York Scooter Club as well. Mm. And there was uh, out with a young lady in town over a cup of tea. Now this young lady is a playwright. And they're just talking. And Nick happened to mention the Normandy veterans. And she said, uh, do you think they'd mind if I interviewed them? You know, there was five of us then. And uh, he said, well, I can't guarantee it, but I'll ask him. Anyway, he asked us if, we, if it was OK for her to come and interview us, like, you know, and tell some of our stories. Yeah. Which we did. Then she made it into a play. And uh, the first rehearsal was in York Library. And uh, there's about 100 people in the audience. Yeah. And for an hour and a half, he could have made a pin drop. Wow. And it was a funny experience, because we told our stories to her. Then we got the words coming out of the mouths of the actors. Yeah. It was a funny feeling, somehow, you know. Surreal is the word yeah, for yeah. it, I think. Go and on. then uh, we went on a on tour around Yorkshire, different yeah. places. We've got a standing ovation for each. Gosh. 
So how long how long ago was this going on? Because this was was this pre COVID. Uh, pre COVID, so yeah. A couple of yeah. years or more. Yeah. Wow. I mean, um, we've missed a lot with it COVID. Yeah. You know, it could have been. Do you think they might do it again once the I think so. drawbridge yeah. is lifted, as it were? Then we uh, went up to Edinburgh Fringe yeah. with it. We went up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Oh, and uh, we collected the fourth prize. Yeah. Oh, gosh, excellent. Certainly, this is certainly a recommendation for anybody else listening to... Yeah, yeah. To catch it sometime when it even comes back I'll, on. I'll show you the. That is. I don't um, know if you've seen that photograph, have you? Hang on. No. So that's like Abbey Road, isn't it? Yeah. But it's four veterans crossing I've got a, the I've got a jigsaw. <laughs> zebra crossing. Right. Where was it? At uh, Sword Beach, was that? Oh, that, that, there's a jigsaw right. up there. Oh, gosh. Oh, Stephen got that for me. So they made a jigsaw out of it, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah. this was at Sword Beach. On Sword Beach, we'd just been to see the Piper. Yeah. And uh, we were coming back to the coach. Yeah. So one of our honorary members, we come to the cross, that crossing there, and it, it said, stop the bus. So we stopped. He said, I've got an idea. Mm. So we all got out the bus. We stopped the traffic on the road. <laughs> and we did that. <laughs> and so at the night time, back at the hotel, our courier, he had his laptop. It had it, gone viral. Wow. So all the traffic's lined up. <laughs> and a fortnight after, we had a letter from Paul McCartney. Did you? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. It's a typical British humour. <laughs> Someone must have brought it to his attention. <laughs> uh. Oh, gosh. Apparently, the 7th, you were, you were just about, I think you were about 20 minutes behind, Dad, because he was on the first wave. Yeah, yeah. Or, mm-hmm. um, and you were just behind... But you landed 400 yards too far to the right. Mm. Did, did you know yeah, this? Yeah. And then you had to hike it up the road, yeah. up, up the beach to get to the. Well, you, your dad yeah. went that way and we went that way. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I think they went nearly straight on yeah. and we turned to the left a bit. And, but we caught up with them again at uh, what the first village, Crep, was it Crep, right? Crepon or Versumer. There's some there, I think. Yeah. And we cleared up after them. Yeah. And the next village crept on, we went straight through, and they cleared up. Yeah. And we carried on like that you, for, I don't know how long, you know. You often overlapped, didn't you? Fun? You often overlapped, like yeah, that yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we even yeah. uh, overlapped, well, East York's overlapped us at uh, 7 o'clock at night, because chap shouted over to me, we were in, in in trenches, yeah, ready for the night, you know. And the shots came through, and uh, I heard this chap shout, and there was a there was a blonde lad. We called him Blondie. I joined up with him, and he was in the air. when we split up after yeah. our basic training. Yeah, went to different regiments. He went to East Yorks, I went to Greenhouse, and other people went to different regiments, and. Uh, he shouted over. He said, "Dennis is dead," and it, it clicked with me. Another lad had joined up with him. He'd, he'd been killed, like, you know. Oh dear, Dennis. Yeah. Was and was Dennis in the East Yorks? Uh, I don't know. No. Okay. 
these jocks got a hell of a hammering on Gold Beach, yeah, didn't they? I they think did, from yeah, what I've yeah, read. Yeah. It could have been in these jocks. Yeah. That's the Adamant Museum. That's one of the landing craft. That. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, is that the size landing? Is that landing craft assault? Is that an LCA? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there's different sorts, wasn't there? There was yeah. a, an LCT, but mm, obviously yeah. they were a, well, a lot that's bigger. That's LCAs. Yeah. Uh, Went down to Portsmouth one time. Can you remember when the Queen went across in in the uh, Britannia? Not a big American aircraft carrier went with them right. over to Normandy. Yes. But we were in Portsmouth when they set sail for that for that occasion. Oh my gosh! And they went to a DJ museum in Portsmouth. We were looking round, and there was a landing craft in the museum. Yes. No, and we're looking at it, you know. And this, <laughs> this chap came up. He says, I, I drove one of them. He said, well, we're glad, glad to get rid of you lot. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they were. <laughs> I bet they were. And then they were Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Have you heard that um, story about a marine Tandy? Um, he's a marine. Mm. And he got, I think he got some mo it was a military medal or some distinguished thing. He got the Distinguished Service Medal, full story in the PS. He was bringing a landing craft in, and it was it was either East Yorks or Greenhouse it would have been, because the, the tale was being told by somebody coming in with the East Yorks, and he said over on his right he could see this landing craft, and there was a guy hanging over the back of it with his arms resting on the you know, resting on the rear, but is the lower half of his body underwater. And uh, he looked at him thinking, well, is he, is, he, is he sheltering from the bullets and what have you and just taking cover? And he didn't really understand what had happened until after he then heard that this Marine Tandy was the, was the Marine, or one of the Marines in charge of the LCA, and they'd lost their rudder. Oh. The connecting yeah, rods yeah, or yeah. the cable or whatever it was. And he was in the water, steering the, steering the rudder. So, so, you know, quite amazing, really. But he, he got it's some... Funny, it's funny as you say that, because people have asked me what it was like going across. Oh, yes, going on. Right. Yeah. Now, we went down to Scramble Nets, yeah. into the landing craft, set off, right? Yeah. For some reason, I did the same thing. Leaning over, over the side, you know. Yes. Watching all the fireworks, the battleships and all that going on. Yeah, yeah. I said, oh, just just like bonfire night, thousand times, sort of thing, you know. Yeah. You I just, can't explain it. Yeah, you were just watching it like I'm it was just uh, watching it. entertainment. Uh, some people being sick on the landing craft, though others were, you know. How long was the running? Can you remember from leaving your ship? <sighs> It's a couple of hours or something? Something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you get seasick yourself, or were you okay? I wasn't seasick, no. Oh, that was good. No. I'm, I'm just leaning over the side watching all the fireworks. <laughs> oh, I'm bothered about that. What was, what was the noise like? Oh, terrible. Yeah. You know, bang, 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 bang. Yes, it was. Did you see any, any missiles going overhead? Oh, you know, you know shells, the uh, rockets, rocket ships? Yeah. 
No wonder it's them going over. Sort of multiple rockets all going off at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Your, your battleship was having a go as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, after, afterwards, well afterwards, you, you're thinking, how did they survive that, the Germans? I know, I know. I mean, that, the, what do you call it, Point de Hoc. Yes, that's the way the Americans were. That was bombs, shells, they threw everything at that. Yeah. And they were still there when they, when they got to the top of cliffs. Yeah. Have you, been, have you been to it? I've been what? to it, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's mm. unbelievably, it's almost yeah. destroyed, isn't it? The, well, not destroyed, but the shell holes are yeah. major. <laughs> I talked to one other. I said, why didn't the battleship fire at the cliffs and bring the cliffs down? Oh, gosh. Sort of thing, you yes. know. Well, when you think back, sort of thing. Yes. Well, they could have done that, they could have done yeah. that. It's, it's funny what, they probably hadn't, I don't know, they obviously didn't plan it that way, they, they no, had no, certain, because no. they, did, they did reconnaissance, didn't they, so they knew where some of the placements were. That they I mean, when, you, when you look at the sort of things, we were really very, very lucky, because yeah. Rommel wasn't there, uh, the story goes that he... On the fifth, or the fourth, or it, it got out of bed, opened the bedroom curtains, it was chucking it down. He said, Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> so now I'm going to be at Berlin. Right. It's my wife's birthday on the sixth. Yeah. I bought her a pair of shoes in Paris, so I'm going to Berlin. Yeah. His generals were playing war games in a chateau. The rest of his staff was in Paris having their knees up. Yeah. So they say. Now then, if it had been a decent day, or decent weather, Rommel wouldn't have been in Berlin. I don't think we'd have got off beach. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you come to look at it that way, you know. Yeah. I want to go back to the start in a second. One final question before we do that. Because you were talking about being on the landing craft and coming onto the beach. Did you ever look back to see, you know, just after you'd landed? You'd come from the sea. Did you ever look behind you to look where you'd come from and see no, what was no, behind no, you? No, no, All the ships and everything no, else, obviously. No. Uh, it's just that Dad, in his book, said he never looked back, but he wished he had because, yeah. you know, the way it's all just been described. Yeah. The officer on the side said, you know, we're getting near, like, you know. And uh, we, ate, we ate one of those uh, cross pieces. A hedgehog. With a mine on top, yes. you know. But it didn't go off, so we assumed that the engineers had defused it, sort of thing, you know. Yeah. And we carried on to, to the beach. and Gosh, uh, that was lucky. So right, dropped the ramp and we were off. Yeah. And uh, right, get off the beach as soon as you can. Right, and there we'll leave it. Because mm -hmm. I want to take you back to before the war, when... When war was first declared, what what were you doing? Do you remember? Yes, I was an office boy. Ah, OK. At a, an ordnance factory in Nottingham. Now, it's, it's, it's a long story. <laughs> My dad was a miner. Yes. I used to live in Nottingham, just outside Nottingham. Yes. A mining village. Uh, East Kirby it was. East Kirby in Ashfield now. Yeah. And uh, it was a miner... There was also St John's Ambulance, 
and he attended to all the accidents down the mines. Yes. And uh, in 13... Oh, let's see, 13... He went to night school as well while he was a, a miner, and he got a bit good with figures. And uh, anyway, he came out of the mines in 38, and he got a job at this ordnance factory in Nottingham. They made uh, 4.5s, 3.7 anti-aircraft guns, yes. and bofers. Yes. And uh, got this job there. So this, this is what your dad was doing, and you got the job as office boy in where he was working. He, he got me the job yeah. as office boy. Brilliant. Can I just very quickly come in, because before I forget, my mum, some amazing coincidences, because my mum, she was a young girl during the war and she worked she, had, she didn't join up but she had to work in a factory in a bomb factory and she was putting the clocks in the bombs or putting the clocks together oh yeah and that was for the Royal Ordnance oh yeah yeah mm. so it had a name in that factory it was ROF Royal Ordnance Factory oh ok but it also had another name connected with the shipyards in Scotland I think I forgot what it was now but uh, my dad got the job there, yeah. and uh, he got his he got his papers. He was thirty-nine, mind you. Yes. Because he was born in nineteen hundred. He was yeah. thirty-nine. Gosh. And he queried why he'd been called up, and he said, "Well, we're short of medical staff." So with him being in St John's, yes, that's the reason he was called up. So he was a volunteer with St John's. Hmm. And he. Uh, he came, he was stationed in York. Yes. And he liked it that much, he brought the family up here. So, my first year as an office boy was part of my apprenticeship. Yes. The following year, I, I, I would go on the shop floor, yes. on the machinery, you know. Yeah. But when we came up to York, when I tried to get a job engineering, no, because I'd had my first year there and the apprenticeship apprenticeship was seven years so when I went around different places in York I couldn't get a job oh no you've got to serve you seven years yes but I already had had a, a year as an office boy yes that counted with my apprenticeship yes so I, I finished up at Roundtree's ah uh, ok <laughs> Roundtree's of York yeah yeah. there was a Roundtree's factory in Norwich yeah and they right, closed yeah. it down yeah, they, they used to send uh, some of our staff to Norwich and did they? Around there. But <laughs> fruit season and all that carry yeah. on, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, what was declared, and how old would you have been then in 1939? Uh, I was 14. 14. Okay. In 1940. That made me 15 when I came up to York. So you weren't eligible to fight, of course, at that point. No, not at that point. But did you did you get involved in the territorials or anything like that? Or? No, I went. I joined the army cadets um, in yes, New York. Yeah, yeah. I was with them for quite a while, you know. Yeah. And uh, then, uh, forty-three December, I got my papers, and uh, went up to Richmond Barracks. Yes. That started my army career there. And that's the headquarters of uh, Green Howards, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Well, uh, 
you did your six, six weeks basic training. Then you had these different tests, whatever, you know. Then uh, you was uh, sent to different regiments. Some went to tank regiments, uh, signals, you know. Yes. It, it, well, these tests, what they did, were different things, you know. Right, like, like putting a square block yeah. in a round hole. Like aptitude <laughs> tests, see what you were yeah. going to be good at, yeah. But uh, one of my tests was a bicycle pump. <laughs> you know, they took it to bits. Yeah. I, I had a clue what it was. Oh, you, you, know, you I never had a bike. Yeah. You oh, know. Of course, if you had a bike, you'd have known straight away, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they just laid in, in pieces on the table, you know, and I'm looking at it. Or is it? Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, sticking up your nose. <laughs> yeah. or, or worse. I went, went through all the paraphernalia, you know, on the range and uh, route marches. Yeah. You know, uh, and manoeuvres or whatever. Yeah. Went to Scarborough. Round there doing night marches. Yes. Uh, Bridlington. Bridlington, we went on the march. Bridlington, yeah. And uh, it was at night time. It, was, uh, it had been freezing. Anyway, uh, there was a, a row of beach huts on the beach. <laughs> so we broke a window. <laughs> And ran and legged it. <laughs> oh dear! Oh, oh dear! Do you know, talking about yeah. talking about night hikes or midnight hikes or marches you were doing. When I was in the Scouts, we went on a midnight hike, and uh, some god a earthly hour. They, we, we stopped, and they brought us. I think this might have been at the end of the hike. I don't know, but anyway, they brought us uh, hot chocolate, mm. and. Uh, we all put in sugar in the chocolate, and then the first person to drink some spat it out, and they, they brought salt instead of sugar. So everybody had got this lovely hot chocolate, and at this point, everybody had put salt in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it went to waste. Mm. Oh dear. Um, sorry, go on then. You were in, in with your training, um, doing your route marches, and. Yeah, and then I went to. Went to Catrick as well. Yeah. For a couple of days. Is that Catrick Camp? Catrick Camp. Yeah. Uh, then we went down to Gra Gravesend, I think it was. Yeah. And we teamed up with the Durham Light Infantry. Yes. We were there for about two weeks, I think, three weeks. Yeah. And well, in their barracks, everybody was double timing. You know, and we had to do this double timing as well. Yeah. You know, oh, oh. you know double timing. You don't walk or march. You do. You, you trot, sort uh, of thing. You know. Yeah. What's the point of that then? I don't know. It's, uh, Just it's why they call it light infantry. I think you know. And then uh, went down to Aldershot for a couple of days. Then we moved to an American camp, just outside Southampton. Yeah. This was in the preparation the, for D-Day then? That's in preparation. Point. And we, we went down to this American camp, and the, it was in a, in a big field, these marquees and all the rest of it. Yes. And down one end, end of the field, there's some tents, 
we were told to uh, put all our equipment in the tents. Yeah. Then go down to the end of the field where there was a, an officer stood in front of some trestle tables with all photographs of the French coast. Wow. And that's the first time we knew anything about it. Was it Bushfield Camp? Um? Was it a Bushfield camp? Oh, I don't know. I'm just checking where Dad was, because in the lead-up, he was at Bushfield yeah. camp, and, they, and then he was at Romsey. Uh, um, Winchester, yeah, was it Winchester? We were somewhere near Romsey, yeah. I think. Anyway. Yeah, because I, I can remember the name Romsey. No. I remember Dad saying that there were Americans in the field next door. And yeah. That you could smell the donuts coming from their camp kitchen. Went in for <laughs> breakfast... Full, full breakfast yeah. with all the trimmings and they also had uh, uh, we thought it was uh, Madeira cake yeah. you know like white snow white Madeira cake in slices yes it was their American bread oh wow and we, we've been on biscuits bully biscuits and all that uh, hard tack biscuits know. yeah so what did you think of the American bread then <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. It was nice, yeah. Well, after what we've been eating. Because I don't know what's in hard tack biscuits, but. Yeah, that, oh, that's the. Terrible, I think. Yeah. But it's funny, but white bread isn't supposed to be so good for you, is it? Because mm -hmm. they've taken all the roughage out of it. Yeah. Ironically, but. Yeah. Then, as we came out of the tent with our utensils, there was three, three big uh, tubs. Boiling hot water, warm water, cold water, and you had to dip your dip all your utensils in the hot water. Yeah, and uh, went down to Southampton. We 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 had no training as regards D-Day. There's uh, some regiments went up to Scotland. Yeah, because there's some beaches there similar to Normandy. Yeah, and they practice from there. And uh, we did nothing of this crawling under barbed wire and live rounds going on. None of that. Yeah. Gosh. We were just more or less thrown in. Did you know something was coming about when you were going down south, etc.? No, we didn't know anything until we got the American camp. The, so at the American camp, that's when you saw and the you photographs? You saw the photographs yeah. of the coast, the French coast, you know. Do you think you knew it was France then? Pardon? Do you think you knew that it was France by the no, time you saw the no. photographs? I had a clue where we were going, more or less. Yeah. Unless, until they told us. Right. Then we got issued with some French this uh, currency invasion money invasion. sort of thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Then we went down Southampton, got aboard the uh, big big ships. Can you remember which one you were on? Uh, Rapier. You were on Rapier? Yeah. Your dad was on Lance. He was, Empire Lance. And yeah. I, it's funny. And there was another one, uh, Abad. Ab, Ab, 
Battle of Wadi Well, they're, they're only regiment that had two battalions on D-Day as well. And didn't they have a battalion in Burma? I think they did. Ooh, I'm not sure. I've just checked, and the 2nd Battalion, the Green Howards, was based in India pretty much throughout the war. You know when you mentioned that hot chocolate? Yes, yeah, with well, the salt. Well, yeah. we went down to Southampton. I stowed all our gear at the bottom of the ship with all the bunks and everything in there. And we went up on deck the following morning. Yes. And the officer was there. And they were lecturing us on something about uh, about uh, what we were going to do. And then this, this Dakota came flying over. Yeah. He said, I want you to take notice of that plane. He said it, it had the black and white stripes on, you know. Yes, yes. Then with black and white stripes on, they're our planes. Yes. So no stripes on, their plane, you yeah. know. Then somebody came around with these... Uh, American hot chocolate drinks. Yes. In a can, and there was a, a wick in the middle of the can. Yes. You lit that, that wick, like a candle. Yeah. And it burned away, and it warmed the chocolate up inside. Gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, dear. Two, it was two different worlds, wasn't it? The, yeah. the equipment. Oh, well, not necessarily the equipment, but yeah. the facilities yeah. and the food. I mean, was, uh, we once had their K rations. <sighs> Compared to ours, like going in the Ritz. Yeah. Same as when we uh, got up on DJ morning, half past three, went down to the mess. We had Scotch porridge. So this would have been on the on the boat? On the boat. On the ship, yeah. So this was before the invasion landing began? No sugar, salt in it, Scotch porridge, you oh, know. Yes. Oh, yes. Terrible stuff. Then we had a corned beef sandwich. Yes. A mug of hot tea, then a trotter room. Ah. Oh. <laughs> um, went down, got all our gear together, up on the top deck, yes. and d- down the scramble nets into the... Handling craft. Can you remember how you felt when you were climbing down that scrambling net? Well, uh, Paul, to an 18 year old, it was like a Boy Scouts adventure. Yeah, I was. You, you know, know, yes. Tours. Yeah. Never been on a ship before. Yeah. Never been on a beach before, except down in Nottingham when the miners had a a day's outing to Skegness. Yes. Went on that. Next time I saw a beach was D-Day. Yeah. So oh, God. When, when you come to think now, you know, yeah. I, I can't, uh, you know. Kids have never had it so good, have they? No, you know. I know this, the thing we've, this generation has destroyed the planet. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. They also saved it in the first place, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm dotting about a bit here, but can you remember when you were coming, approaching the beach in the landing craft? Yeah. What the scenes were? What the what? What the scenes were? What could you see ahead of you? Oh, smoke. Lots of smoke. Dust. Yeah. Explosions. Flashes. Different things, you know. 
And by the time you were disembarking, I presume with the the first troops, like my dad, were already ahead of you and off the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you remember seeing a a, a knocked out Sherman tank? No. Okay. Well, I saw a knocked out uh, battery gun as we came on. Yeah. Down to the left, the barrel was twisted. No one of these uh, gun emplacements, what they had. Yes. The barrel was up in the air and it was twisted, so that. And there's some German prisoners of war near there. Yes. Could see them moving about. Then we carried on to the People said, What's it like? What was it like when you put went down to the beach, you know? I said, Well, the only explanation I can give is just imagine you're walking down the street it's been raining very hard there's a big puddle of water there and accidentally you put your foot in it and what do you say? Damn. Look at my socks all <laughs> wet through Yeah. as I, exactly the feeling I had when I did that God. I can't explain it but that's how I felt yeah. I won't bother about bullets and shells <laughs> going across you know I mean as an 18 year old you, oh dear look at that Yeah. And you're wondering when I'm going to change my socks, like yeah, one can't, yeah. you know. And I can't remember getting washed and shaved when I was over there. Toilets, uh, doing different things, you know. Yeah. The adrenaline was the biggest part of it, you know. Yes. And uh, Ken Smith, who was, uh, he, he died just before the pandemic started. Yes. He was in uh, Duke of Cornwall. Yes. And he said, uh, D-Day, all the shout about D-Day is nothing. It's the following days that were the matter. Yes. And I, I, studied, I studied that what he said, you know, and I thought, yes, after was worse than D-Day. So what do you remember of the days after then? The day, day after... Uh, we, we didn't dig in. What, I was going to say, we, what, what did you do the first night when you first... The first home? night we slept in German trenches. Oh, gosh. I never... We didn't dig a sleep trench when, when I was over there. Yeah. All the time I was over there. <laughs> Pension of the peoples. Uh, the German sleep trenches was a big... A daughter took a plug out of the soil. Yes. It was like a round hole. About four or five foot wide, you know. Yes. And me and this other chap got bedded down in there. And uh, oh, they brought some food up to us. We had a meal. Then we could hear a radio over the other side of the... where we were, we were dugging, like, you know. Uh, Bert Ambrose was in the orchestra from BBC. So... Oh, it's Bert Ambrose. Bert Ambrose, you know, Ambrose in his orchestra. Oh. Well-known orchestras in them days. And you could hear it. used this. to be on the radio. And we could hear his music. <laughs> Somebody had his music on somewhere. Another surreal moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. And we... Then we stood to... You had to, you know... Yes. Go on guard sort of thing for two yeah, hours. Yeah. Then you got your head down. Was it, um... When you were doing that, because I think Dad said it was two hours... Normally it was four hours on and two hours off. Yeah. Or 
the other way around. But on on Normandy, it was two hours on and two hours off because you were such a heightened level of alert. But what was it like concentrating for two solid hours? Can you remember doing that? Well, we did two hours. I can right. remember doing two hours, don't you? For two hours, yeah. Two hours. Then you uh, tried to get some sleep. Yes. Then in the morning, three, uh, six o'clock, you did another stand two for two hours. Yes. Then you you, you move from your, that position to your next position, sort of thing, you oh, know. Okay, yeah. But uh, you brought the breakfast up next morning. We had our breakfast. And yet, where's Tommy? Where's uh, Smudger? Where's, uh, you know? And somebody would say, well, you, you remember that tank that got blown up on the beach? Yes. They were near that and they got killed. So that's when it it shook you, you know, yeah. that all this stuff was serious. Yes, yes. When you couldn't see these chaps, what you'd been, you'd been drinking with, playing football with and all that, and then, you know. Could have so easily have been you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what, that's why I say... After D-Day was the worst part. Yes. Uh, somebody, somebody said that anyway, you know, that uh, okay. they were near that, near that tank that got blown up, yeah. you know. Then uh, when uh, you're going off the beach, say next chap next to you got it, and it went down. You didn't notice that. Yeah. But if you did, and... You know, there was always somebody behind you saying, our sergeant out, you know, don't stop. He says, medics will take care of him. Yeah. You keep yeah. keep going. That's what we, what we have to do, you know, keep going. Yeah. So, turning to the the next few days after that, then, what was what was the action like then? Can you remember? Uh, well, uh, not a lot I can remember. Just the, the way it was, uh, as I said before, we we went through a position, then the six cleaned up, and Chloe cleaned up, so... Sort of overlapping. Yeah, overlapping sort yeah. of thing. You mentioned Versiumare earlier. Have you been to the Gold Beach Museum in Versiumare? No. You haven't? Because obviously you've been to... Um, I've been to Bay uh, Adam Hansch. Yeah. American thing, museums. Do you think you'll ever go back? We're going next year. Well, try and see the. It's it's badly named because it's called the uh, uh, Gold Beach and America Gold Beach American Museum or something. And you look at it, and you think, oh well, it's it's a bit puzzling because you you don't associate Gold Beach with the Americans, but the American bit is something to do with nothing to do with the war. It's to do with American stuff, but the Gold Beach part of that museum is really quite good. And if you've never seen it before, it's I worth... I am been to that one. Yeah, it's only thing. Versium there, so it's only round the corner from the new the new monuments, really. Mm. No, I am into that one. Yeah. We've been, right. to, we've been to most of them over there, you know. Yeah. Mm. It was. It showed um, there was a map on the wall that had been captured from the Germans, and it showed this area where Dad lived. Yeah, yeah. Earmarked for bombing, because it was an industrial area. Mm-hmm. That was quite uh, sobering. I'd, I read some of the 7th Green Howard's action and... 
there was mention of a, a railway embankment taking over a railway embankment does that ring any bells with you? No. On a, on a railway, now then. Well, we came off the beach and went left. Yeah. We went down a road. And there, there were a, a narrow gauge railway on the right hand side of the road. Could that have been a tram? It could have been a tram. Cause I don't you, know. Have you heard the Stan Hollis story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah no, all right. <laughs> I'll repeat that then. This is referring to Company Sergeant Major Stan Hollis, who was awarded the Victoria Cross on D-Day. It's <laughs> a head case, really. Yeah, was he? It's a head case. Oh, gosh. I've never heard that. I mean, he, he was obviously a tough cookie. Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, did you hear when he was in the desert? I think he was wounded in the desert. And he had a steel plate in his head. And I don't know whether he was wounded before he got captured. But he got captured, and the story goes that Rommel had heard of his adventures. Yes. And he asked to speak to him, to Stan Hollis. And he escaped and went back to his regiment. Uh, what else did he do? Oh, his. Uh, his pal, Charlie Hall. I don't know what he did in Charlie Hall. I don't know, I've heard some of his I got, I got to know Charlie, going, going over to Normandy. Oh, God. So he was the same as us, went over there on these uh, commemoration visits, you know, yes, all that yes. stuff. What's knowing? I said, he knew, he knew Stanley, and he was in six, was uh, Charlie. He says, one day, Stan Hollis was stood there, I was stood here, and a gr grenade came over, hit Charlie in the chest, bounced down, and it didn't explode. So if it had exploded, yeah. Stan Hollis wouldn't have got his VC. He wouldn't, yeah. There was another story about Hollis. Have you heard the one about where he throws the hand grenade down this lane? I'll tell oh, you. Oh, and, and it, it, it didn't take pin out. Yeah. Yeah. There were two Germans holding them up at the time. Oh, yeah. They were sort of underneath, uh, yeah, behind yeah. a hedgerow or something. And uh, so Hollis took a grenade out, threw it, and then of course they dug down. And they stayed down waiting for it to go off. But in the meantime, Hollis realised he'd forgotten to take the pin yeah. out. So, so they stayed behind the hedgerow. <laughs> so he, he then had an advantage on them and he, he ran up and shot them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, after the war, oh, he got his VC. He went home, chucked his VC in a drawer, and said to his wife, That's your pension. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. Which indeed it was, really. And yeah. uh, then uh, he was invited to go to a, a meeting or something with different people. And they'd also invited a German officer. Yes, yeah. To come to speak or something. Stan said, no, no. He wasn't interested. Yeah. Wasn't interested, no. There's a book by uh, Mike Morgan on Stan Hollis's life, which is very, very good. Have you ever read that? No. Do you, do you read? Pardon? Do you read? I don't read, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't mean can you read. 
but but you do read stuff. Okay. Yes, uh, some real, real stories, you know. When uh, that uh, place, it was, it's a bus stop, and he thought it was a machine gun post. Yes, yes. It was a tram so, shelter, I think, wasn't it? So we blew it away. That's, have you, you've been back to Gold Beach, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Because that's there now, isn't it? They've moved it. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. restored it, and you can mm. still see the bullet I've holes. got a photo of that. Uh, I don't think it's a only slot, I don't know. I don't think so. You know the little exit road from Gold Beach? Yeah, yeah. It goes past the Stan Hollis yeah, hut. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you come up through that, or did you... Yeah, we it? came through there. You came yeah. up there. Mm, yeah. All right, OK. So you passed that... Uh, so-called house with the with the circular drive. Sort of pan, pan. What, uh, toilet pan. Toilet pan thing. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. You passed <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. You probably wouldn't have seen this at the time, would you? Mm. That's uh, Madame Gondray. She was a little girl. She was in Pegasus Paris, Bridge. London. Yeah. And uh, she was in the cellar with her mother and her sister. The father was up on the... Uh, Stairs, looking through a bedroom window, and one of the parrots took a shot at him, missed him. Gosh. So he banged the door shut, ran downstairs. Uh, I think it, one of the parrots was banging on the door, like, you know, opened the door, welcomed them all in. <laughs> then he went into his garden, and he, he dug up. Nine dozen, I think it was nine dozen bottles of champagne. Champagne. <laughs> Give them to Paris. Oh, gosh. And the story goes that one of the Paris gave that lady, when she was a child, a bar of chocolate. Yes. And the following years, as he went there with his commemoration days and whatever, he always took her a bar of chocolate. A bar of chocolate. Oh, <laughs> a nice story. Yeah. To commemorate the the event, yeah, fabulous. That's Omaha, part of it anyway. You've been to Omaha, have you? Yeah, I haven't been to the cemetery. Haven't you been to the cemetery? No. Oh, it's, 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 it's marvellous, you know. I've been to Bayer Cemetery several times. Well, the Americans, they send a squad of... Uh, Soldiers over every five years to look after it. So you got wounded, didn't you, at some point? Yeah. Uh, Tell me about that. We were uh, in a hedgerow waiting to move to another position, and uh, we were just kneeling, kneeling down, sort of thing, you know, like ready to move off, yeah. rifle in that hand or whatever. You know, in this hedgerow, 14, 15 of us. Yes. You know. And this shell came over. No, I don't know whether it hit a tree and splattered all of us down, or it was a, an airburst yes. that exploded, and then the shrapnel came down. Ah. Uh, I heard, heard somebody shouting and screaming or whatever, and uh, I felt a thump in my back. 
next thing I know, there were two chaps picked me up and took me to the first aid station. Yes. Then the next time I woke up, I saw a circle of lights. And I realised after that was the operating theatre. Yes. Next time I woke up, I was in the field hospital in Bayer, and this nurse was sticking needles in my backside. And that was uh, more painful than the other things because <laughs> she kept coming about, I think, about every half hour, every hour, sticking a needle in, you know. The tears were rolling down me, you know. Gosh. I wonder if that was penicillin. Penicillin, you know. that was a new development then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh... But, boy. I said, no, not again. And I just... Oh! <laughs> so, and, uh, do you remember what date that was? Uh... 4th, 4th July. 4th of July. 4th or 5th of July, it was. Yeah. His dad was wounded on the 30th of June. Mm. So you pretty close together in that yeah, respect yeah. but I think it was, his situation was similar to yours except he was sitting having lunch at the side of the road mm. and um, and the, you know a shell came over and yeah. hit, hit him and somebody else at the same time mm-hmm. um, and so he was out of it so so you were out of it obviously well, I was uh, operated on in Bayer yeah then uh, was in the uh, field hospital and like a big marquee. Yes. And the flaps at the far end of the marquee were open. And I could see right down the tent marquee, yes. like, you know. And there's two Germans walked across. And I said to the nurse, Where's my rifle? Yeah. What do you want your rifle for? Two Germans are gone. Yes. <laughs> were you delirious or? Says, so they're two German medical people oh. who are helping us, oh, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. And there's me one. What is this? Oh dear. <laughs> oh God. Then uh, I put on a boat. And there we'll leave it. That's the end of part one of Ken's interview. I'll be uploading part two PDQ, and if you haven't already got it, you'll be getting it very very soon. And there's plenty more action where part one came from. See you on the next side.